We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2020 Houston Open. DraftKings picks and preview bets one and done towards the end of the show. You want that? You hit the description. If you missed the Masters initial pricing show, fuck's wrong with you? Give your head a shake, pals. You can either go download that podcast or go check it out on YouTube on the Mayo Media Network. Remember to subscribe to Mayo Media Network because there's a ton of Masters content coming down. Now, before you go do that, smash the like button to this episode and in the comment section, you tell me who's going to win the Ooston Open. All right? New course this year, by the way. But for the Masters, the Listener's League link is in the description of this video and podcast. It's also in the Masters preview show as well. It just opened 5,000 spots. Let's fill this quickly so they know at DraftKings be like, hey, every week we should be handing out like, I think the max that I can do for the Pat Mayo Experience Listeners League is 6,600, 6,667 spots. I think that maxes out at $100,000 guarantee, but it's the best tournament on DraftKings. $15 to play, three max entry, no rake. Reserve your spot now because these 5,000 spots are going to go very very quickly. If you're just jumping in right now on the audio podcast, please rate and review five stars. If you just leave the rating, scroll to the bottom of your iPhone, click five, and then just be on your way. That helps out a lot and takes literally less than five seconds to do. So if you enjoyed the show, please go do that. I think that's going to be it. Oh, no, it's not. If you're watching this on a Wednesday, good news for you, fellow loyal viewers. We have a, well, it's not really a promotion at FantasyNational.com, but if you get the weekly membership at FantasyNational.com today, you get Houston to build your lineups with and use the lineup generator and get all the stats, but you get Wednesday to Wednesday, meaning you get all the live stats from Houston over the weekend, and all of the Masters content and stats are built into it right now as well. So you want to start going to fuck around with the model because you're fired up 
for the Masters, highly suggest fantasynational.com slash mayo. You use that slash mayo, it gets you 20% off. Okay, cheat sheet will be up on dkplaybook.com a little bit later Wednesday afternoon. My betting cheat sheet as well up on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash the PME. Same as Twitter and my pivot plays will be up at ftndaily.com if you're looking for an ownership break on anyone. Joining me from ftndaily.com on the line as he has been for many a week now, Skylar Hook. What's going on, my man? Hey, Pat. Yeah, exciting times ahead. You know, another new course for the Houston Open, but we're just right on the cusp of the Masters. So I'm intrigued at so much of this field um, showing up here. I know we talked a little bit last week if we thought we'd see um, a decent bit of players uh, taking the risk with fans in attendance for the first time. Um, But I'm excited to see, especially the headliners, getting DJ and Brooks, um, you know, Hatton here. There's, There's some studs here that we haven't seen in a little bit. Um, since the West Coast swing. So excited to see the tune-ups and and ready to get to Augusta pretty soon here. Yeah, somehow the Houston Open really benefited from a bunch of like top-end players contracting COVID-19, then recovering, and now they're all here because they want to get some warm-up rounds in before the Masters. Yeah, seriously. I mean, DJ needed this. I mean, after missing out there, you know, Finau, of course, missed a couple weeks. I mean, even Brooksy, if you think back to things, you know, he really hasn't got a great tune-up after he won, missed COVID, two got hurt again. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to see this. And then, again, an, an unknown with another new course. I feel like every week we've spoke, it's either a course with no shot link or something we don't have historical data on. So we're taking, um, you know, educated guesses shout out i think it was cody or kobe who gave you that long preview of of the course that he plays all the time i was really appreciative of that yeah you can check that out in the first look video and podcast i released on monday yeah shout out kobe kobe uh someone who lives near the course gave us kind of a breakdown of what's going on but a lot has changed in the intervening time between monday and now because they changed the scorecard well i guess they didn't change it they just released the wrong scorecard we did all of our research they're like oh no no no, it's not a par 72 at all it's a par 70 so we'll jump into that in a second i did want to inform everyone though about the master's schedule so the first initial pricing look at the DraftKings pricing that's already out saturday me Raza and Rick will be breaking down the entire field DraftKings-wise. Monday afternoon, me and Feinberg in studio, betting preview. Then, noon Eastern time, next Wednesday, live chat, taking your master's questions, releasing my final card, looking at the weather. But I wouldn't look at the weather just as of yet, because uh, as David Barnett of the Tour Junkies pointed out, it can kind of change in Augusta all the time, especially around this time of year. So let's wait before we start like having freakouts about the weather when it pertains to the Masters. we got to talk about the Houston Open. Let's talk about this course, because there was the big thing going on that when you loaded up the app it said it was a par 72 with five par fives and like okay um and it was 7432 yards which it still is but now it's a par 70 and the big one is going to be that whole one which went from a super easy par five where eagles could be made to a really daunting par four and showdown wise uh i guess you would want your players starting on hole number one because 18 and one appear to be like the two toughest holes on the course now Yeah, I always like that edge you talk about each week to see, you know, if you can run a street together. I mean, with with showdown scoring, you know, that bonus always plays a factor. So I always like kind of looking into that. I love that they made the change. Not that relative, you know, you would think if that if if hole one would have played as a par five, almost everybody would have been able to get there in two. Now it's mandatory pretty much or you're getting up and down green side as a par four. So I guess mentally, I I still love to see guys not like shooting 25 under and plus, you know, but it's probably the still same shots. I know you hit on your early look 
um, of proximity greater than 200 yards, whether it's playing a, a par four or par five, you know, that shot range is still going to be required at some of these lengthy par fours um, and those second shots on the three remaining par fives. So I think that statistically still we're going to approach it the same way. We're just going to see, you know, a, a little bit difference from that standpoint. So when we look at the very top of the pricing board, there's 132 players in this field, top 65 and ties will end up making the cut. We do have shot link this week. So if you want to play in tournament showdown or you want to make some live bets, fantasynational.com can guide you in that direction with all of the real time updated strokes gain data from on the course. But if we just look at the pricing, we go to the very top. You got Dustin Johnson at 11.5, uh, $600 cheaper. Tony Finau at 10.9, then Brooks, then Hatton, then Hideki. Call me a sucker. A lot of people do, but I like Brooks this week. Pat, you, you brought on the right person this week when we talk about Brooks. I mean, I'm a homer. You know, he's, you know, the, the guy I root for the most and enjoy, especially because in these situations, you know, he, he continues to be low owned. And is, is there a reason why, of course, you know, he hasn't one played that, that great as of recently on an overall standpoint, but we've hit on it. That approach game has looked very strong recently, um, even with the injury. So that's something that's going to continue to be, you know, a huge benefit to this course, you know, at Augusta next week. So I, I love Brooks. And then it doesn't hurt, of course, um, that he played a part in the Tom Doak's redesign, you know, of this course. So does he have more of a familiarity than others? You, you would imagine so, since his opinion weighed heavily, you know, on how this course is going to play out, especially around the greens. So sucker or not, you know, I am definitely in on Brooks and it doesn't seem like the field is all that there with him. So in terms of ownership, and obviously this can change as the day progresses on, once guys are identified as quote-unquote low-owned, then people end up moving out of them and off of the popular plays, then it all just kind of evens itself out. But of the top guys above $10,000, Finau and Hatton are coming in with the most ownership, pushing around 20%. Then it's Dustin, then Brooks, then Hideki. Uh, I think a lot of people will say they want to play Brooks, then be terrified to play Brooks. I think if you look at uh, like the giant $10 or the giant $5, he's going to carry a lot of ownership. But in single entry, I doubt he will. So my, my thing is there's, there's two ways I, I always look at Brooks each week. Is he low-priced? which next week at the Masters, he's pretty cheap. Is he low-owned? You know, and if he's one of those two, I find myself getting in on that. If he's the combination of both, like we saw last year at the Masters, then it's a spot I really shove the chips in. So that, to me, he's falling in the category of low-owned. I'm good with that. Now, you know, if we talk about the Bash Bros, I'm surprised more people aren't getting this DJ because, you know, these are the type of fields, and obviously the odds correlate, where he is far and above you know, the, the best player in the field. Do you worry about the, the layoff with COVID at all? Do you think it affected him? I, I don't know. I have no idea what affects that guy and what doesn't affect that guy, to be perfectly <laughs> honest with you. And, and maybe the, I think it, Dustin's ownership is going to depend on how comfortable people feel at the very bottom. If they feel comfortable in the $6,000 range or the low sevens, then people will jam in Dustin. I don't think that's going to be that big of a deal uh, to people when they're constructing their lineups that Dustin has had the week off. But do you worry that whether it is, I mean, any of these guys that have a chance at winning at Augusta next week, I never think about it as, oh, you know what? They're really going to try next week. They're just showing up here for 
what reason? And uh, people do kind of play on that line. It's like Brooks currently is 22 to one to win the Houston Open. I believe he's 18 to one to win the Masters in a field that's what, five times as strong? That I, I just don't get why, like is the narrative that Brooks isn't going to try this week and Dustin's not going to try this week, but Finau is going to try this week? I don't understand how people use that logic. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. If if you're teeing it up for me, even when it comes to injury concerns in a sense as well, but especially when it's motivation tactics, you know, if you're if you're playing, you're playing to win. There's a reason you're there. Of course, you want to get your game in shape before the biggest test of golf next week. But that doesn't come with okay, I'm I'm happy with finishing T25 and I'm not going to push it. To, to try to win, especially if you're in the mix on the weekend. So I don't, I don't see any reason to, to think one, those odds aren't crazy, you know, to think about either once one week is wrong, you know, is it next week or is it this week? But, you know, I, I bet Brooks as well. Um, and I just think, especially, yeah, Finau too. There's, if you think Finau can compete and win here, you know, it, it should be reflective the same there. I, I'm not buying into that. If you're teeing up for me, I believe you, you want to win and, and you're not there just settling. So when we dropped, actually, let's not drop down yet. Let's talk about these top five guys. You had to power rank the top three for you. For me, it would be Brooks, then Dustin, then I think Hatton, actually. Yeah, I, I sadly think we are just a, straight aligned on that. I think the the benefit of Brooks's, you know, price nine hundred dollars will will be a, will be you know a little bit of an upgrade down low. So Brooks would be one. I, I probably one A one B with DJ. Like I, I don't understand people i mean if you run stat models if you look at it he's clear one in every single category you know this could be and, and i think people will play that factor of worried of his recent layoff due to everything so i think definitely 1a 1b dj and hatton's just been so strong you know hatton has just been somebody that we can rely on um continually i mean he came out of the zozo our cj cup did so well after winning the bmw pga championship still was solid you know at the zozo so i think hatton is a deserved third but then you get the two um, guys that don't come across the finish line and Finau and Hideki, and you're playing a premium for that when I trust the other three much more. So especially if the ownership's getting to Finau, I am more than happy going with the other three that we pointed out. It's just, it's so tough for me to pay 10-9 for Finau. And when he comes like fourth, then it's probably going to be worth it because he's going to do a bunch of scoring. And then it really depends on the relative finish of everyone else in the 10K range and what the opportunity cost of using him over someone like Hideki or Brooks was when it comes down to it. He's probably like the best floor of all of these guys, like historically speaking. Um, not, you know, I'm kind of counting in that Dustin could be dealing with a few ramifications of COVID and the injury as it pertains to Brooks Kepka. Are you worried about Brooks's driving? Because that was really what kind of popped up in the stats that that's where he is going wrong right now. I mean, the putting comes and goes that happens throughout the course of his career. The irons, like we mentioned, have been really good, but the driving has been bad, which is not normal for him. Yeah, no. Is it a concern in a sense? Yeah, of course. I mean, that off the tee, especially the CJ Cup, I mean, when he got four rounds out of it, um, you know, was was a struggle. So I, I don't love to see it. Um, for those that follow his girlfriend, Jenna Sims, on Instagram, I did note that Brooksy was out there when they were doing a Q&A. And he just said he was casually minus seven through eight holes last week before darkness had to conclude that. So here we are just finding more narratives to find around. But again, I, I like taking a shot. I even went with the complete D-Gen move of parlaying him winning this week with next week because, you know, I can't live with myself if he goes back-to-back and I don't have that 350-to-1 out there. 
Oh, that's interesting. I might actually have to do that too. If I bet him twenty-two to one this week, what, you say it's three fifty to one. Uh, that was eighteen eighteen. I think it was right around like three fifty to one. So I think those odds have moved a little bit. There's only certain books that let you parlay both. But if he is, this is my thing. If he is coming out and winning this week, his odds are going to plummet next week. He's going to probably be side by side, you know, with Rory and, and maybe even Bryson if he gets that low. Because people love to bet him at majors, and they know he comes in good form. So I'd rather get ahead of it and, and take that chance. Uh, per the stat modeling that I've done on fantasynational.com over the past three months is the limit that I've set. I went through how I built everything. I just mixed it up a little bit once this got changed from a par 72 to a par 70. I mean, again, it wasn't changed. It was just wrong when it was first reported and then got rectified in the reporting on Tuesday evening. Although that's a news dump, uh, Tuesday evening during an election, when you change the scorecard on the PGA tour, maybe some people don't see it, but uh, that's why we're telling you right now on a Wednesday morning, what's going on. It's Dustin by far number one above everyone else then Hatton then Hideki then Finau then Brooks Hideki is shaping up to be basically the pivot play from the top end out of all of the 10k and 9k guys for that matter yeah I think the 9ks get intriguing in the sense that you know it's it's guys that have been in a shuffler range in, in the Henley range they even talk about that have just played quite well since the restart. I mean, Russell Henley, like we spoke about, I think it was last week. I mean, the, the approach game that he has blitzed with, if this was at the other course, I mean, he might be 10 K plus with that course history. Um, are you willing to, to eat Henley chalk when you could get somebody like Hideki for $600 more? I mean, that becomes a question, but his ball striking is just out of this world. I'm so bummed. He's not in the master's field next week. Well, looking at Hideki right now, he's 28th at Zozo gained, uh, in all three tee to green categories, same as the CJ cup when he came 21st. And of course it's Hideki. So he lost two strokes, putting, lost 2.1 strokes, putting. bad at the Shriners, good at the U S open, just a bunch of basically top 30 finishes. Uh, although this field is significantly weaker. You don't usually love him on Bermuda. That's always been kind of his Achilles heel, but at the same time, he's someone who generally plays well at the masters. Um, and if he's getting into this form, he's just been kind of lingering. If I told you, I haven't projected like 8% ownership and no one else in this range is going to be below 10 would that make him intriguing to you yeah no i definitely think so and it's like like we i think we've talked before you know it's it's splitting hairs with guys up top that you aren't surprised when an elite golfer who might be a little bit out of form like if you run a progressional stat model with hideki you know long term he's a top three player in this field but as you get shorter and shorter time ranges you know he continues to get lower down those ranks but even so yeah single digit ownership i don't mind that move um especially if, if someone's getting on to, to tony you know at a higher ownership you know he could be even 20 percent. it looks like um for for tony so if you can get that that difference and say 900 dollars is they're all that much between difference between those two probably not so i think single digits you could find me there yes in the 9K range, we're going to go with Victor Hovland at $9,800. Below that, you got Scotty Scheffler at 96, Henley at 94, Sung Jay, 93, Adam Scott, 92, also returning from a COVID 19 positive test. He's cleared now. Uh, Sergio and Jason Day. I like Scheffler a yeah, lot. I feel like two months ago, he would have been the same price as Finau in this field. Oh, 100%. Yeah, that, that, that would have been, I mean, that elite, I mean, really his, his momentum stopped when he had to pull out of, 
what the U.S. Open because of COVID. I mean, he would have been 33 to one in there, probably played well at the U.S. Open and easily could have been 10K plus. I'm just looking at some of the ownerships right now. Scheffler is going to be very highly owned, but not as highly owned as Russell Henley. And if you just have to get, I mean, it's not to say that Russell Henley can't outperform Scotty Scheffler. He definitely can. He's done it a bunch of times in the past two months. But just putting them side by side, I would much rather have Scotty Scheffler. At the lower ownership, yeah. Like, I mean, that's the thing. Henley's ball striking continues to be out of this world. I mean, he finished fourth at the Zozo and he lost almost, or he lost over five strokes putting. Like it is, it's a good thing we're not at the same course that we've seen for the Houston Open or Henley would have been like 15 to one with, you know, that, that price tag. So I think anytime you get elevated ownership and elevated price, that is tough to, to swallow with that. So I think there's definite pivots of Scheffler. I kind of like Sungjae, you know, you get Sungjae onto Bermuda at 9,300. I think Sungjae is a great play there too. I don't like Sungjae here. I think I would almost rather go in that Scott Sergio day range, spin the roulette wheel and see which is just, I'll pick one to fall on and go with them. I think Scott's intriguing too, the more I've looked at him, just because, I mean, he has that ability to, you know, just show up and contend like he has at majors in past. Do I worry about, again, do you worry about what the effects of COVID-19 were on some of these golfers? Some say they didn't feel a thing. Finau said it knocked him out you know it was a tough recovery took an extra week from it but he also played better than anybody did in their first week back so it's tough to to not think about it but you plug your nose and you play Scott at a lower ownership at 9200 I mean he's a better player than than a lot of these guys in the nine so I definitely think Scott is the one that I would go to probably over Sergio and definitely over day but um yeah, I don't I don't think you can, you know, you can get yourself unique mixing in two of those guys for sure. And it does look like Sergio and Day are going to come in at significantly lower ownership than even Adam Scott, who's trailing everyone else in the 9K range at just around like 12% ownership, where Day's going to be at like 5. You can make this mistake all the time. Just because someone is low owned doesn't make them a good play, especially if they suck uh, at a very high price. But someone like Sergio, I mean, he did win like four weeks ago, and his off-the-tee numbers are second in this field to Dustin over the past three months, that if he can really get the driver working, and that seems to be consistent with him, that not only watch out for him this week, watch out for him next week, too. Yeah, yeah. Have you looked at his odds at all, what next week was? I know they probably plummeted since um, he, he got that win, but yeah, the consistent off the tee. I mean, he hasn't lost strokes off the tee in over a year. You know, I mean, that game... I agree. I like taking the shot there. If him and Day are going to be similar low ownership, I would rather, because the form that Sergio is showing is strong, so I would much rather do it on Sergio, and and I'm far off of Jason Day. Even if I think the around the green game might be a little bit trickier this week based off the way Brooks recommended Dokes to eliminate bunkers and make, you know, tight lies around the green. Um, I think that that plays in today's favor, but he has just been brutal recently. Um, so I think Sergio does make sense in that and does make a lot of sense next week too. Sergio is 50 to one to win the masters right now at where I'm looking. I believe he's 55 to one at DraftKings Sportsbook where everyone should bet if they have the opportunity in their <laughs> state to bet at DraftKingsportsbook.com. The one thing about Day, the hidden part of him, is his CJ Cup was awesome before he withdrew in round four. I believe he was leading the field tee to green, but his stats don't count from that because he ended up withdrawing. So that's not popping up in anyone's modeling. And it's just so wild to me that, yeah, he was sixth 
I think it was six going into the, the last round. And then um, this is my wedding weekend. So all I got to do was look at the stats afterwards. And I was like, what in the world? Why isn't everybody on Jason Day for this coming week? Led Tita Green was great in approach, top six. And then I realized it's only 54 holes worth of data. And he, you know, withdrew after tripling at like his opening hole on Sunday. But I went right back to him the following week and it wasn't as pretty. But you're right. I mean, it comes in spurts. I mean, that long stretch he had leading into the PGA Championship was so good. And we haven't seen that same return. I'm just not willing to pay that price there for me yet i think i want to see some underlying numbers again before i get back when i think there's definitely some strong plays in the eight thousand so how about vic with the big dick yeah i mean we go all this way and you don't even talk about him at 9800 on, on what should be a ball striking type course um I guess I don't love it. It's kind of meh to me. Um, he continues to be great. Tee to green. Um, didn't putt really well at the Zozo, but I mean, he probably could have ripped off top three, top 15s in a row. If he would have just putt field average there. So I, I wouldn't fault anybody going back to Vic. It just seems I prefer the guys below him personally. The one positive with Vic right now is he had that three-event stretch when he led the field tee to green in each of those three events and couldn't get his win. He ended up coming, what, uh, 11th, 12th, and 3rd those weeks because he could not sink a putt to save his fucking life. But then he just went on this streak. He lost off the tee in three consecutive events. Then he just gained, he gained less than one stroke off the tee in the next three events. But in the past three starting at the U.S. Open CJ Cup and Zozo against really strong fields, plus two, plus two, plus four off the tee. He's back to basically being Rory off the tee again, which is what you want to see here. If his irons can show up with him, I think that it's just really difficult for me to parse because I want to play Scheffler over him, and I am going to play Scheffler over him, but I'm wondering, should I break off like, you know, like a Kit Kat almost, if I have a full Kit Kat of Scheffler? Do I just break off one finger for Vic? Yeah, I guess when you when you do break down, and especially, I mean, that, that U.S. Open, Tita Green was excellent. Those approach numbers were awesome, and he kept those same, you know, ball-striking sense at the Zozo. It just was a putter. So, no, I, I wouldn't mind you. I mean, 9,800, I mean, it's hand-in-hand hand with, with Scheffler. What, are they probably, probably Scheffler because there's a little bit more ownership, but I think they are very similar players. So if you are um, playing a few more lineups, I definitely think you can break off a little bit of that. Uh, so in overall lineup construction, do you see yourself using a 10K guy, a 9K guy and going down? Or do you think you'll try to jam 2K, get two 10K guys in it? Because the winners that we've seen over the past, I don't know, since the swing season started, have basically all come from the $6,000 level. Yeah, that's the thing. Should we just be prioritizing the sixes and then we figure out where it lands us at the top, you know, based off of what it has been? I would like to like think that I could maybe even meet, make interesting Brooks DJ lineups, you know, that really get low with it. Um, so I think I would definitely have a, at least one 10 K guy and a majority of my lineups. Uh, and the ones that I don't start with the 10 Ks, I will probably play three of them in the nine. So it's a similar type of build. Cause I think the sixes, the higher sixes, the lower sevens definitely have some intrigue for me. Um, so I'm probably playing more there. But it's not to say I hate the eights because I definitely think um, there's some some good darts in the eights. 
So let's talk about this $8,000 range. I got three guys that I like. So if we go, Lonto kicks it off at 89, which is a lot of money for Lonto Griffin. So give me a pass on that one. And it goes all the way through Stuart Sink, who's $8,000. But I like the guys that I have stars next to right now. Uh, I really like Corey Connors a lot. I think that he is an excellent pivot off of Doc Redman, who I have projected to be twice the amount. They're basically the same guy. Um, so just give me Corey Connors, who's won in Texas before, by the way. I love Cam Davis, but he's going to be super chalky. Uh, still going to use him. And then for my pivot play in this range, uh, coming off two pretty decent starts uh, in his last two. He was T13 at the BMW PGA Championship, a nice tight course. And then at the CJ Cup, he was T28. Uh, tends to putt better on Bermuda. Shane Lowry. I'm glad you brought up Lowry. Yeah, I think he's pretty intriguing too this week he played well at the pm the, the bmw pga championship too um in europe and he always plays well at that course but i think there are some nice trends for lowry overseas and then you know sandwiched between you know what you talked about on the pga tour i think he's intriguing i agree with you on doc when we're getting up there i mean last week was the week for him to to really come through and you know he played he played strong you know no fault to him but getting the elevated ownership and elevated price of, of him and Lonto. I'm going to pass there um, where I find my biggest intrigue and he's not, uh, not under owned either, but I really like see woo coming off of just some really hot ball striking. I've seen, you know, with uh, him on the Bermuda, you know, for his victories, it seems to be a type of course fit and green surface that might play right into his favor. One of the betting favorites. I know Jeff's big on him this week. I really do like Sibu at 8,300. Yeah, I'm going to take a pass on that. And everyone knows how much I love Sibu. <laughs> Kim, uh, chalky Sibu, not going to be my jam. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, it's probably the, the recipe. You're, you're smart. You've been on the roller coaster enough to know when you bet them and when you play them or when you do both. Um, I, d- I do have, I caught the 50. I think you opened at 66 that a few people got. So I caught the 50. So maybe it is a smarter type of that strategy. Um, but if you talk about the, the two guys alone at 8K, I mean, James Hahn and Stuart Sink are both playing some of the best golf of their lives right now. It's crazy to see. Can you do like that's just that's too much money for these guys? I mean, Stu Manji almost won again last week. I mean, what he finished solo or, or I think solo fourth or T fourth, you know, th- four straight made cuts. He bounced back after we didn't like him because I think he lost like 12 strokes approach um, at his previous event. I, I know we're getting elevated prices for him, but the recent form and that's the thing do you just, you know, are they going to fall back to their, their long term baselines? realistically yes um but i mean han when's the last time han had three top tens in a row you know it's just crazy to me so do you do you bite when everyone else does now that he's eight thousand, or does that keep people away enough that you think recent form can kind of get him by even at an elevated price i think that if these guys were coming in at three percent ownership then you would have a case to make them really intriguing but like james han might be three times his own as shane lowry Correct. So that, 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 when you put it mathematically like that, yeah, that doesn't make sense in, in that sense. Cause that, what, what Hans 13, 14% Lowry at 5%. Yes. Yes. At some point. And then you're right. They're, they're all pivots off of Cam Davis who no fault to Cam Davis, you know, continues to draw ownership. But I, I do think the eights can be a little spicy if you want to mix in those lower own, especially that you like, and we're not going to talk Jordan speed. I, mean, I don't even think we need to. 
Uh, well, there's that grouping right in the middle of like the short hitting, scrambling type players. You got Zach Johnson, who's playing great right now, by the way. Brian Harmon and Jordan Spieth uh, from 86 to 84. I have no interest in these guys, but one of them will play well. I guarantee it. Oh, absolutely. And I think it was because um, isn't, let me see here, because, yeah, Willett's in this field. So I saw, I think it was Coley that tweeted, Ben Coley that tweeted an interesting, like, odds comparison of ZJ versus Willett this week versus ZJ and Willett next week, where they're very comparable at the Masters as long shots. But, like, ZJ's recent form versus that Willett and the price difference, I mean, ZJ has been exceptional. Um, especially with the approach game. So he would be my pick of the litter of those three. But yeah, I just don't see myself attacking the course with that type of strategy. I can see it. It's a really long course, but that didn't really bother him too much at the U.S. Open. But they're in the third round of the U.S. Open. Dude could miss a putt. So when you Correct. think, when you think yeah. about it that way, like right now over the past three months, he's third in this field in approach, but he's also second in putting. Like those things tend to go hand in hand. So when you look at him on these like long par fours, the 450 to 500 range, he is 11th in this field. He should not be 11th in this field, but he keeps making 20 foot putts. Now, can that sustain itself? Sure, it can. Probably won't, but it could. Uh, I just don't want to have to pay. Like I was using Zach Johnson at $6,800 three weeks ago. And I know sometimes that's not the best way to think about it, but I can mine Zach Johnson value. I feel more than I can mine I don't know let's say I would rather take down the two thousand dollars to try to mine relative Zach Johnson value and I'd rather spend up two thousand dollars to get Dustin Johnson (laughs) yeah no that's that's a very fair point and the thing is we could look at those prices a little bit differently when we were at the Bermuda, when we were at Corrales, you know, when we actually bring in some studs and these guys are getting into the eight K's, it's different because at these type of field strengths, you're, you're right. VJ was low sevens and the sixes not that long ago. So I agree that I think we'll end up, especially with how much I like the top, I'll end up sprinkling in the eights, but being heavier in the sevens and sixes. So let's talk about the sevens. Um, do you have a list of guys that you like? Because right now the ones I have targeted are Westwood, Van Royen, Sam Burns, who I think everyone is on, Martin Laird, and Keegan Bradley. Those would be my five right now, unless you want to sell me on someone. So I was going to try to sell you on EVR. I am very happy to hear that. One thing that is intriguing Um I don't know, you know, the the exact correlations we can pull without a course that we don't have any data on. But on the European tour just a couple weeks ago, Tom Dokes designed the Scottish Championship course, which EVR finished sixth at. You know, he's somebody who's really good with those long irons. So I am a big fan of EVR. Westwood also top 20 that event and had some strong Euro performances and his ball striking at the U S open was phenomenal. So I am a fan of Westwood in there too. It does suck that. I mean, for a good reason that, you know, Burns is going to pull in that ownership. I think he opened at some books as like triple digits, um, which I don't mind him in that sense, but paying up for Bermuda Burns or paying 7,500 at, at you know, 15 ish or higher ownership is tough for me. So I don't know. I think I really like your top of the board in that sense where we are aligning um, over there with it. By the numbers, Harold Varner is second. Do you think anyone goes back to him after last week? 
I mean, I look at the ownership here and I would, I'm a li- I know he's probably going to crack double digits, but I'm surprised, you know, people are willing, aren't, aren't going to be more over on that because statistically, I mean, if I ran out on Mono, I mean, he, from a ball striking standpoint, I mean, he is a top five player on that type of model, especially once you reach into some longer term and even a top 20 player last 24, last 12 type of rounds. So if, if people are going to jump off due to him and Stenson getting blown into the Bermuda Triangle, you know, I think that uh, I, I have no problem going back to Harry Varner. What, what about Stenson, though? Because he bogeyed like 34 holes in a row in the <laughs> second round, then withdrew with an injury, I guess. But he's playing this week, so apparently he's fine. He's tuning up for the Masters. He's in the field at Augusta. You know, he's won. Has he won in Houston before? No, he lost to the Herminator that year. You know, I think it was 2016. Yeah. Uh, either way, uh, we know that at his peak, he's going to hit fairways. He's going to ball strike really, really well. We just haven't seen that in a really long time. The other guy we kind of throw into that mix, who I was on last week, was Russell Knox. I might go back to Knox again this week. He wasn't a disaster a week ago. He just got caught in that bad wave on Friday and just couldn't do anything. Yeah, um, I'll start with Stenson. I think we we've talked circles around Stenson, me and you over the last month and just can't seem to land on anything. You know, we, we find ourselves going back in, it feels like when others have stayed away, um, you know, you don't get to get a full read on how that second round really was, you know, due to without any strokes gain data or anything. Cause what he was under par, I thought the first round and probably going to make the cut before, you know, he opened on that bogey barrage, but I think I'll, I'll still take the pass this week. I, I don't hate, you know, Knox in that sense where some of the underlying numbers, like you said, still trended up pretty decently for that. Um, this is the first time we see Party Marty since he won at the Shriners. You think he's got anything left in him? Because he's made, what, one, two, three, four of his five cuts since he's played since the restart. I guess three of those, or one of those is on the KFT. So three, three cuts in a row on the PGA with the one before his win being a top 30. So maybe Marty stays hot. I'm in on Marty. I'm definitely going to use him at 73. He's top 10 in approach, top 10 on approaches from beyond 200 yards, top 10 in opportunities gain. He's won in Texas before. I like him. He's cheap. He's, he's, I don't get why Stuart Sink is priced and James Hunter priced like they are, but Marty is priced at 73. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I can agree with that. And then the other one, once we get kind of in the lower sevens, we brought him up last week. I thought he was going to break through after we told uh, everybody that he didn't have any upside with Adam Shank finished 26th again. So he is literally, he's stuck outside of the top 25. He can't break it. He makes the cut, but he cannot get inside the top 25. Which this is a much better price point for him than what was he last week? 8,300 bucks. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. So this is, I, I mean, again, a, a discount from that. I feel much better with the safety now I think it's 10 cuts in a row he's made um, with Adam Shank at this price. And I mean, he was top 10 for uh, like um, close to 54 holes. So um, I think that is fair uh, with Shank. Um, are you getting into Luke list again in Texas here? No, I'm not going to go with list. I'm not going to go with Shank. I'm going to go with the inventor of basketball, Matthew Naismith. <laughs> okay. Tell me. 
He's just been really good since the Shriners, basically since the restart. When you go and look at what he's done, he's gaining strokes putting again, which is really nice because he had lost in like eight of 10 overall. Not a ton, but enough. Now he's gained over three and two straight, which has really propelled him up the leaderboard. But if you're going to finish inside the top 20, you're going to need to gain strokes putting. But it's the ball striking that's been really good. So 41st at Corrales, then 17th at Sanderson Farms, gained over three strokes ball striking in both of those and around the green as well. Shriners, he was eighth, gained almost five strokes on approach, gained off the tee as well he's draining a few putts right now he just seems to be in a groove uh and i don't think that anyone is going to use him and just looking at the past three months in this range if you're looking at the guys that actually peak in terms of the stats uh laird is the best he's number eight Ventura is number 19 for me. Keegan is number 18, who I am playing. Piercy's 21. Naismith is 27. Scott Stallings is 29. And everyone else is outside the top 40. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a good sell job. I can definitely add Naismith into the uh, player pool. I think he has a preference on Bermuda, too, a southern, southern boy. So I think that's uh, definitely those last two events. I mean, those approach numbers, great to see with the putter. Um, you're probably going to laugh again. You did laugh last week when we brought him up at 6,200. He's gotten the boost into the 70s no, now. No, no, Yes, yes, yes. Ali Snyder jams once again. I mean, he, he was right in the mix, man. I thought he might do it and just win everyone back over. Uh, I really wish, and he came out and said that he was preferring he got this um, top 10 uh, invite into the Mayakoba, I think, or the RSM, I think it was, where it probably would play into more of his favor. But, I mean, Ali looks great last week. I, I get it. I, I want to. I'm just not going to let Ali break my heart again. I'm just not going to let him do it. Until he establishes himself and gets back on the PGA for, Tour full-time, I'm just not going to believe that he was what he once was when we were just riding him every week and he was churning out top 20s and not being the guy who missed the cut at plus 20 every week. It's fair. I mean, there's definitely, um, you know, some scars that are there for many people, but it was great to see him, him play so well um, last week. I do think, you know, $900 price increase is a bit much as we switch field strengths. So it's not like as, as much of a saver as what we saw. And I think there's other very interesting plays in the sixes. But had to bring him up because I know it would get you tilted a little. You write the 10 under 7K on FTNDaily.com every single week. Is that out yet? Um, yeah, it came out late last night. Um, so 7 under 7K. Uh, Elliot does the 10 under 10%. That's right. I get, everything, um, I get, every, I get everything mixed up. I apologize, Sky. I apologize for that. <laughs> You're good. You're good. But, yeah, it came out last night. I, I figured it was a good time on Twitter to not send any uh, content posts in the middle of uh, quite a chaotic scene we've seen here. But yes, seven under seven is up in the first one. If we would to jump into um, the higher part of the sixes is um, I liked Austin cook. If you talked about Neesmith kind of popping in a kind of a one tournament sample in a sense, Austin cook um, has had some really good ball striking that he saw at the Shriners, but he had made, his previous, until he just missed at the Sanderson, he had made seven cuts, I believe, in a row. So I liked Cook there at 6,900, but I'm also going back to Patty. somebody who probably was overpriced. Yes, there it is. I was overpriced last week, probably a little bit, but he was strong, man. He came out blazing on Thursday morning. Yeah, and he actually got himself back into the mix on Sunday morning, too, and then he ended up giving it all back. He's someone else who had played really well at that, not the Scottish Open, it was the, what, the Scottish Challenge, the second one? Yeah, 
Yeah, so he got his championship. Yep, he finished ninth. Yeah, so he is another one coming off a decent week. Yeah, I'm in on it. Sixty eight hundred bucks is a fine price. Perfect. Perfect. Yep. Uh, I, I really do like Harrington and people were, were tweeting me early on Thursday morning, like, you know, great call. I was like, man, we're, we're quite early here. I was hoping we could get the first round leader, but yeah, Sunday he came out. I think he was like minus five through seven, him and McCarthy were lighting it up. So, um, but yeah, that's, those are my two in the top range of the sixes that I like a lot. I'm just trying to look down. Oh my God. John uh-huh, is in this field. Excellent. News. Uh, what about hey, for- I, I wrote him up too. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I, I like Johnny question marks. Oh, okay. What about Molinari? 6,600 bucks. Worth it, man. Like I would love to see it, but what at Shriners, he was, he was kind of bad putting Molinari just kind of man. I mean, what he, there's no reason to play him other than you think he can just snap his fingers and find what Molinari was before. And is that, is that way better than anybody else in this range? Absolutely. He was the best player in the world. Realistically, not that long ago, that summer he had, he was, he was the best player in the world. So to see him down there in this field, of course, it is shocking, but I still play the wait and see because, you know, the ghost of Molinari is still on the back nine at Augusta. So he's going to have to face his fears next week. Yeah. Is this a Will Gordon course? It's probably more of a Will Gordon course than I thought last week was going to be, and he played well. Um, so does does that pique my interest a little bit more? Yes. It seems to always be a, a crowd favorite, maybe because it is the talent. You know, I mean, he was so good. Um, what was that at, at the Travelers, Travelers, I think, when he finished third? Yep. So good in college. Like, I love the talent. He's somebody who's off the tee game can play with the best out there. So if that's him coming to play, yeah, I prefer him this week than last week. And he didn't really have much of a price difference even after his best performance in quite some time. Uh, then I just have my, my regular Texas guys that I go to Ortiz and Landry, but I don't know. I've probably just bet Landry first round leader. Yeah. I mean, he, he does have that, that, first round leader pop upside in him he also um, he also has winning going- I, he also has winning upside for like people down in the sixes he has two wins in the past two years no i, I completely agree i mean and, and they are just out of nowhere so no especially when you get to texas i mean i am still salty because if you remember who he beat i think it was at the valero was i thought molinax was gonna do it oh yeah and I, molinax I, I i had my, that chip it, it sucked yeah it was the chip on the drivable par 4 17th uh, the 71st hole he yeah. put it short left of that bunker and then just missled it into the bunker and couldn't get up and down. Just make that birdie. I Feinberg yep. cashed Landry at 175 to one that week. I had Mullenix at 250 to one. I was like, let's go. And then he ended up winning and I did yep. not win. That was not fun. Uh, but then he out, no. did, was he the one who outran Rom at career builder that year? Was it Rom or was it, or was that this year? How long ago was that Landry victory? I thought he'd be answering Scheffler on that day. Yes, he did. Um, He lost to Rom in the playoff. Okay. Okay. So again, though, I mean, that's winning, winning upside there. So for somebody, I mean, in 2020 to have a victory like that. uh, Yeah. And especially the Texas narrative. I think that's a little bit um, intriguing. I hadn't even thought of him. All right. Anyone else, anyone else in the sixes you want to talk about? Um, I did think that, um, seriously, you, you mentioned John, huh? But I mean, his approach numbers, if you take a peek when he came out, he's only played once 
in like six months. You know, this is his first time since the restart, but his approach at the Shriners and his tee to green overall was, you know, top three of the field. So is that something you, you can rely on? I have no idea. I don't know. I really actually don't know why he didn't play until October. Try searching John Huh on Twitter to look for injuries. It's just impossible. So I really couldn't find what was going on with him, but those those approach numbers were kind of lights out um, the last time we saw him. And the other interesting one I'd bring up, we probably hit on every single Euro in this field almost, but Justin Hardy no. at 6,500. No. Okay. Well, what's he going to do? Gain 13? He played okay. Hey, listen, if, if, you, if you want to correlate your lineup with Lucksack putters, you might as well play him and Speed together. <laughs> Get okay. Right. Okay, so you I can like play, like play Speeth, you can play Denny McCarthy, you can play Justin Harding, you can play Graham McDowell, you can play Maverick McNeely, you can throw all those guys into the same bucket. Perfect. Perfect. You can make a little rush. The one thing is about Harding, he did go to college at Lamar University, which is just outside of Houston. So what the hell is it, Lamar you know, really University? In. I I really have no idea. But I was I was kind of doing some research because I think I actually think why I knew this is because he was in the Valero last year and I was so into him because he almost beat Rory at the match play was so into Harding. And then he just was awful at the Valero. And then he came out and was the first round leader, I think at the masters when he played so well. And then he got himself a master's invite by finishing top 12 last year. So he'll be at Augusta next week. Uh, any bets that you made this week? Um, so I'm with you on Brooks. I'm with you on Brooksy there. Um, like I said, I, I liked um, I liked see Woo from the betting perspective at 50. Um, I also Harrington I think was floating around like some 150s. So I'm probably more of a top 10 on Patty Harrington, but I mean I'm still going to always sprinkle the outright a little bit. But those were my main three that I came out with. I bet I'm keeping the card relatively small this week because, you know, I'm going to go overboard and bet stupid things at the Masters. So just bear with me on that. So my bets for the week, I got Brooks at 22, Scheffler at 22, Cam Davis at 75 with the top five, and I have Lee Westwood at 80 with the top five. Those are my four bets. First round leaders, Keegan, Landry, Burgoon, Vizegas, and Harrington. That's Scott Harrington. I should probably note that because you should probably bet Scott Harrington every week. What's, what's, what are Patty Harrington's first round leader odds? It's got to be triple digits as well. I love that you found the Burgoon one because he's not priced in DraftKings, right? He just got into the field yesterday. Yeah, but uh, his first round leader odds are out there. I am going to go to first round leader, go double Harrington. Yeah, Patty Harrington's 100 to 1. I will throw on Patty Harrington as well at 100 to 1. But, Perfect. I, mean, I think I might be on Van Royen too. I think I, I'm finding myself if I'm adding one more Van Royen and Westwood, I'm probably going to split between those two on which one will be my final bet. What is Van Royen? He's 60. He opened like, yeah, he opened at 80. So I don't know if there's anything else floating that might still be in the 80s. 60s is, is tough. I kind of like the Westwood number a little bit more there. Um, but both those guys kind of fall into um, my, my favorite type of play is to always bet on. Okay. Uh, in Euro, I actually bet someone. I bet Maximilian Kiefer in this weird Cyprus event. Yeah, I, I'm interested to you. So, like, for those that don't know, so we have a 105-man field over at the same course. It's called the Cyprus Showdown this week. So it's going 105, 36 holes, traditional style, and then they're taking the top 36 scores from the first two days, move on to Saturday, Everybody starts back at even par. They play 18 on Saturday. 
take the top 16 of those 32, reset the scores again on Sunday, and then it's a showdown on Sunday. Whoever shoots the lowest 18-hole score on Sunday will get uh, the championship, which is crazy because somebody could win theoretically, you know, by four or five strokes and then just come out and lose by one on Sunday and, you know, be in a, a tie for third or something. You know, it's just a crazy format that I don't know where the value exists on betting because it seems if you can lock in somebody who is going to make the 16, which seems like the top of the board to me, then you're going to get value because those guys are going to be like six to 10 to one. So the one bet that I made was uh, the Scottish Tim Andercuss. I'm on Bob, Bob McIntyre this week. Oh, yeah. He's no longer the Scottish Tim Andercuss. He's, he's skinny Bob now. He does look good. And he came out and said, because he struggled since the restart. He was hurt a little bit of the wrist, fired the caddy, um, has a new caddy. And he did say, um, and I saw some reports afterwards. And of course, you know, he finished third um, last week. He said, you know, felt great. This is the best, you know, I've kind of felt, put in some work after he withdrew from the previous tournament. It says it's best he's felt in some time. Good to see the success pay off. So there was a 33 on Bob when it opened. I think it's 28-ish now. But if he makes it through to Sunday, and I also think, in a sense, this might be a chance for guys that struggle on Sundays, which a lot of the European tour players seem to do. It seems like no one ever wants to win. That, you know, you just have to shoot low on Sunday. There's no question asked. So maybe that mindset of, of winning or holding a lead is eliminated. So someone like McIntyre who hasn't won yet, or even Dietry, who's the field leader, you know, might have a little less pressure on Sunday because they know everybody's got to do the same thing. One and Duns, uh, the second to last week of my Jeff and Cuss contest. We all missed the cut last week, so I'm still in the lead by a bit. I have Scotty Scheffler as my one and done. Jeff is using C. Woo, Kim, and Cuss is using Russell Henley. So chalk Russell Henley and Cuss one and done. Not a recipe for success there. Sky, <laughs> tell everyone what you got coming out for the Masters next week. Yeah, so we're going to have, you know, our standard um, FTN daily where we'll have probably a little bit of lead up in advance of our content. I'm going to start with breaking down the international players that are in the field. Uh, we'll be going over kind of their rolling stats across the pond as we have a good amount of those high OWGR guys crossing over. So breaking down that look, we'll continue with our seven under seven. Um, I'm actually going to kick off a little bit of master's talk this evening. I'm going to hop on the Jeff Feinberg show at about 10:15 tonight for us to talk through a little bit of early look into the masters as well. And then we always finish off the week with kind of our subscriber only Wednesday behind the paywall for our golf members. Um, just kind of a talk between myself, Axis and Drew leading up to how the week let off. And hopefully me and you can kind of collaborate on Wednesday too next week. Yes. I will be doing the live chat noon Eastern on Mayo media network. Sub now to that next Wednesday. That'll be live betting show with Jeff Feinberg Monday DraftKings Pick Show, I'm going in reverse order now, actually, uh, with Ben and Rick is going to come out Saturday, so there's going to be a ton of Masters content, but like I mentioned off the top of the show, if you get a Fantasy National membership today, the weekly membership, you get to go Wednesday to Wednesday, which gives you Houston pre-tournament, Houston in-tournament stats, and all of the Masters up to tee off. So use slash mayo at the end of FantasyNational.com and get yourself 20% off. I believe it comes to 7 bucks for that weekly membership, so a uh, good time to invest in FantasyNational.com. All right, I'm Pat Mayo. Thank you all for watching. I'll see you next time. Experience. Experience. This is the story of the one. 
As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.